Section 19 of The World's Famous Orations, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Aaron Carlo in San Clemente, California. The World's Famous Orations, Volume 2. An Exhortation to Conspiracy by Cataline. Footnote. Delivered in 68 B.C. in an apartment in his own house. Reported by Sallust. Translated by John S. Watson. End of footnote. Born in 106 B.C. Died in 62. Elected Praetor in 68. Governor of Africa in 67. A candidate for consul in 66 but disqualified on account of maladministration in Africa, then organized the famous conspiracy, slain in battle in 62. If your courage and fidelity had not been sufficiently proved by me, this favorable opportunity would have occurred to no purpose. Mighty hopes, absolute power would in vain be within our grasp, nor should I, depending on irresolution or fickle-mindedness, pursue contingencies instead of certainties. But, as I have on many remarkable occasions experienced your bravery and attachment to me, I have ventured to engage in a most important and glorious enterprise. I am aware, too, that whatever advantages or evils affect you, the same affect me— and to have the same desires and the same aversions is assuredly a firm bond of friendship. What I have been meditating you have already heard separately, but my ardor for action is daily more and more excited when I consider what our future condition of life must be unless we ourselves assert our claims to liberty. For since the government has fallen under the power and jurisdiction of a few, kings and princes have constantly been their tributaries. Nations and states have paid them taxes, but all the rest of us, however brave and worthy, whether noble or plebeian, have been regarded as a mere mob, without interest or authority, and subject to those to whom, if the state were in a sound condition, we should be a terror." Hence, all influence, power, honor, and wealth are in their hands, where they dispose of them. To us, they have left only insults, dangers, prosecutions, and poverty. To such indignities, O bravest of men, how long will you submit? Is it not better to die in a glorious attempt than after having been the sport of other men's insolence to resign a wretched and degraded existence with ignominy? But success, I call gods and men to witness, is in our own hands. Our years are fresh, our spirit is unbroken. Among our oppressors, on the contrary, through age and wealth, a general debility has been produced. We have, therefore, only to make a beginning. The course of events will accomplish the rest. Who in the world, indeed, 
that has the feelings of a man can endure that they should have a superfluity of riches to squander in building overseas and leveling mountains, and that means should be wanting to us, even for the necessities of life, that they should join together two houses or more, and that we should not have a hearth to call our own? They though they purchase pictures, statues, and embossed plate, though they pull down new buildings and erect others and lavish and abuse their wealth in every possible method, yet cannot, with the utmost efforts of caprice, exhaust it. But for us, there is poverty at home, debts abroad, our present circumstances are bad, our prospects much worse. And what, in a word, have we left but a miserable existence? Will you not, then, awake to action? Behold that liberty, that liberty for which you have so often wished with wealth, honor, and glory are set before your eyes. All these prizes fortune offers to the victorious. Let the enterprise itself, then, let the opportunity, let your poverty, your dangers, and the glorious spoils of war animate you far more than my words. Use me either as your leader or your fellow soldier. Neither my heart nor my hand shall be wanting to you. These objects I hope to effect in concert with you in character of consul. Unless, indeed... My expectation deceives me, and you prefer to be slaves rather than masters. Footnote. Sallust says that the auditors, surrounded with numberless evils but without any resources or hopes of good, inquired of Catiline what benefits they might expect from taking up arms, and that he promised them the abolition of their debts, a prescription of the wealthy citizens, office, sacerdotal dignities, plunder, and all other gratifications which war and the license of conqueror can afford. Another interesting item in Seleucid about this speech is the following. There were some at the time who said that Catiline, having ended his speech, and wishing to bind his accomplices in guilt by an oath, handed round among them in goblets the blood of a human body mixed with wine, and that when all, after an imprecation, had tasted of it, as is usual in sacred rites, he disclosed his designs, and they asserted that he did this in order that they might be more closely attached to one another by being mutually conscious of such an atrocity. Seleust adds, The evidence which I have obtained in support of this charge is not at all in proportion to its magnitude. End of footnote. End of section 19. Recording by Aaron Carlo in San Clemente, California.